Good morning. I want to begin this morning by just simply saying thank you uh, to all of you. And um, so many of you have been so kind over the last uh, few days and weeks to, uh, to express your gratefulness and appreciation for me and uh, for my wife. And, and, and I will also say that on behalf of, of your, your staff here at Ivy Creek. Uh, these are brothers and sisters who, for me, are like my family. I'm as close to them as, as I am um, my own family. And, and, and we truly appreciate the opportunity to serve you and, and to be able to be in this place and to serve alongside you. And so thank you very much from the very bottom of our hearts. And, I, and, and just from, from Caroline and I, and, and from on behalf of our children, thank you for how you love us and for how you treat us and for the, uh, the tremendous swell of, of encouragement that we experience um, on, as about, on behalf of you and, and as a result of all the things that you do on our behalf. And I can just truly say, and I mean this from the very bottom of my heart, that there is absolutely no place in the world that I would rather be serving than right here at Ivy Creek. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be your pastor. And thank you. It is, it is good to be here. Today is a special day, not simply because it's Pastor Appreciation Day. As a matter of fact, I would even turn it around. I want today, I want you to walk away from here recognizing it's not just that you appreciated me, but how much I appreciate you. And, and so we're going to see that as we kind of walk through things uh, today, but as you as you are probably aware, we here at Ivy Creek we are a, a Southern Baptist church. We are part of a cooperating group of churches that cooperate together, and and we are part of the the, the Gwinnett Metro Baptist Association. That's a smaller group of which we are attached, and then we are also part of a larger group, uh, part of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board that's based out of Duluth. And uh, we are a cooperating church in, in that regard as well. And then we are also part of the larger uh, National Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist Convention. That is who we are, and that's our identity here at Ivy Creek. And the reason that I believe that today is, is really a special day is because churches across our association uh, are, are getting together today, and we are highlighting the ways that our local church family bridges and, and, and sort of enhances and is able to be a part of even the greater mission of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And, and I'm excited because Ivy Creek has, has, is blessed to have quite a few Georgia Baptist missionaries who are a part of our local church family here. And they, we serve right alongside one another on a weekly basis here, but they have a greater mission in which they are involved. Uh, in, in, in Georgia Baptist life. And one of them is Marty Youngblood. And so I'm going to ask Marty if he would just join me up here this morning on, on the platform because I want to give an opportunity. Many of you have had an opportunity to meet him before, but Marty is one of those missionaries that serves at the, at the, the state level. And, and Marty, I just wanted you to have an opportunity to share with your church family this morning. And maybe the question that I would ask you would be this, in what ways do you as a Georgia Baptist missionary and, and, and as Georgia Baptist in general, what ways are we able to connect the gospel to lost men, women, boys, and girls in our community, our state, and even the world? Excellent. Thank you, Pastor. And let me just say thank you to the church for praying for our son. He got back safely from Afghanistan a few weeks ago. We encourage you to keep this bulletin near and praying for all of these uh, men and women who are serving our country. Uh, just a little personal note there. Uh, thank you. But it is a joy. We have five uh, Georgia Baptist um, State Missionaries here, uh, myself and Daphne. We've got uh, uh, Warren and Beverly Skinner. Uh, we've got Daniel 
uh, Ashmore. I don't see, see Daniel here if he's here. He's tucked down. But, uh, but five of us uh, serve uh, you and serve churches uh, around the state of 3,600 churches. In fact, last year, 30, our 3,600 churches, some of you may know the uh, Appalachian Backpack Project, Backpacks of Hope, uh, we gave 36,000 backpacks last year as Georgia Baptist churches, uh, and out of that came over a 1,000 salvations. And so that's just one event that you guys were a part of as the Georgia Baptist uh, family of churches across our state. Uh, but also there are ways that we serve you in all kinds of capacities. Uh, uh, Warren Skinner is the campus minister at Georgia Tech, BCM. Uh, that's one of the leading schools in the state we know. And also, uh, not only that, but uh, he's got students from, I think, 50 countries, 49 states. But Warren's a part of a larger group of campus ministries that serve on 45 campuses across Georgia. Last year, they had over 4,000 students attending weekly in a Bible discipleship study. And beyond that, they reached 45,000 students with some witness of the gospel. And that's all because of what you guys provide in resources and prayer to give us that ability to do what God's called us to do. Beverly serves in WMU, W-E-M. Got that one correct. The, uh, and so I get brownie points when I get back, back, back uh, to, to work Monday. But, um, but, but more importantly, she serves in the women's discipleship areas of ministries. Uh, she has engaged ministry coming up in November where she's going to be with uh, uh, Clarkson International Bible Church. And over there, she's going to be uh, training and teaching women around the state again. Georgia Baptist around the state are coming together so they may know how to better uh, utilize ministry skills to reach the refugees and those who have come to our country from other countries with the gospel and encouraging them. And so she does that numerous times through the year. And so, again, another way that one of your state missionaries is serving and contacting people who are without Christ with the gospel of Christ. Um, Daniel does a great job for us. He uh, does uh, in, in uh, building maintenances, but he's a support staff. And what I love about Daniel, he's always busy, always got a smile, always got an encouraging word. But, but, but people who come into our building who are vendors, mechanics, uh, just guests in general to our building in Duluth will meet Daniel and always have a compliment about how he prayed for their family. But more importantly, how this man shared the gospel with them. And so all of us, from, from the first floor all the way up to the fifth floor with Dr. White's office, are constantly sharing the gospel. It's a part of our passion to reduce lostness in Georgia. Daphne serves at WMU as well in support services, and uh, the Lord has gifted her in, in some ways recently in the area of devotional writings. And so she's been writing devotions since December uh, every month and producing that so that it can go out across our state to encourage women in the area of prayer and Bible study and devotion. Again, encouraging them to develop their passion for Christ, which always translates to more sharing of the gospel to lost people. Now, I do a lot of hats, you know. Uh, I've got uh, prayer renewal. I've got conflict mediation, Olympics, and several other things that I do. Um, and so, uh, more recently, I got a chance to get out of the office, thank you, Jesus, and uh, out from behind the desk and the computer and emails. And three of us, Dr. Merritt and Brian Alexander, uh, rode our motorcycles to Sturgis, South Dakota, uh, 4,000 miles round trip, all for the purpose of sharing the gospel. It's our passion, not just motorcycles, but more importantly, sharing Christ is who we are. Uh, as your state missionaries. And so we had an uh, opportunity with 60 volunteers uh, to share the gospel more than 3,000 times. And we had 300 people on the streets of Sturgis now pray to receive Christ. And God mm -hmm. did a great work up Praise there. Lord. And then Saturday, uh, Dr. Graham, uh, Joe Graham, and myself are traveling to South Korea uh, to do some training with pastors and uh, churches uh, in the area of Olympic evangelism and discipleship. And so you know, there's another way to be praying for us. We're just the tip of the iceberg. That's five of over 100-plus state missionaries that you have uh, through your prayer and resource support to give us the opportunity to share the gospel with those who need it most. Amen. Amen. I hope, I hope that you're able to sense the excitement that, that, that Marty has in, in the 
responsibilities that he has and, and as well as the others who, who he's mentioned here this morning. But there again, to know that we, are, we, we partner with many, many others who are involved in a lot of different areas uh, throughout our state and throughout our world in sharing the gospel. And that truly is a partnership that we are engaged with them in. A portion of every dollar that you give when you contribute to uh, the offering plate goes to support the cooperative program in which we cooperate with other churches like us throughout the state and throughout our nation in being able to support ministries just such as this. And so I think it's important that you know tangibly some of those things that you're helping to support and some of the people that you're helping to engage in areas that may, many of us will never have the opportunity to do that. And I want us to just take just a moment right now this morning to be able to pray. Pray specifically for the, 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 the Georgia Baptist missionaries that are a part of our church that we've heard mentioned this morning in the various areas that they are in. But I also want to pray specifically for you, especially as you travel um, this weekend and pray for Daphne in your absence while, while you are gone and pray that the Lord might show grace and open up doors of opportunity for them to share the gospel. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I just thank you for, for Marty and for his heart, and Lord, for the ministry that you've equipped him to be able to engage in. And not just for him, but Lord, for Daphne and Warren and Beverly and, and for Daniel, and Lord, for the countless others that are down there, many who are engaging in, in areas and, and, and doing things, Father, that are even far beyond the scope of what we heard mentioned this morning. We're grateful for that. We're grateful by your Holy Spirit that you've brought us into partnership with them and allow us to be able to to exist in that partnership. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, continue to bless those ministries and, and, and Father, that, that the gospel would continue to go forth and, and lost men, women, boys, and girls would come to a, a true knowledge and a true understanding of you and that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray specifically for Marty as he boards a plane and heads to a, a really challenging area of the world right now, God, where it's always been on the, our news regularly. So, Lord, I pray that we would be diligent in praying for him and for Daphne in his absence, and, God, that you might give grace to him, safety in his journey. Lord, that you might also show uh, favor to him and open up opportunities for them while they are there to do the mission that you've called them to do. We're grateful, Lord, for your goodness, and we're grateful for your love and mercy and for this day in which we can celebrate these partnerships we have together in the gospel in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Would you thank him for being with us this morning? Now, I told you today was a special day, and, and, and what I want us to continue to do is I know many of you have probably already got your finger, except for the, the, the signs I've already told you that we're not going to be there. You were expecting a, a, a sermon from the Gospel of Mark, and, and Lord willing, we'll be back there the next week. But today, I felt like in light of the, the tenor of this service and what we were going to be talking about, that it would be beneficial for us to actually go back and focus on a different passage today. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope that you do, take them out and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You know, we've, we've celebrated, we rejoiced in, in the fact that we as a, a church are part of a local association who's also a part of a, a greater ministry that's involved there with the Georgia Baptist. And, and we've been able to highlight some of these partnerships that exist outside the walls of this church. And that's a good thing. We need to know about things that are being done outside the walls of our church and even outside the area of our community. But I think it is also very important that we celebrate and that we also know that we actually have a partnership with one another on the inside of this church. Oh man, it, it, that God has brought us together as individuals to do, accomplish something great for his kingdom 
here in this place. Many of you will remember we've, we've studied through the book of Philippians here uh, before. As a matter of fact, uh, it was a few years ago that we worked our way through this entire letter. And the reason that I come back to it this morning is because when Paul writes this letter, particularly right at the very beginning, he's writing to a group of people that he loves. And he, he, he makes it very clear how, how much he loves these people. And, and every remembrance of them brings a smile to his mind. We're going to read about that in just a moment. But what, what the joy that he's able to experience and the true happiness that he's able to experience comes from the fact that they have partnered together with one another and with him in the fellowship of the gospel. And that's really what the whole, whole idea of us looking at this passage this morning is all about. And so what I want us to do is just read it. Let's read the first 11 verses, remind ourselves of what Paul writes here to this church and hear how he speaks to us here at Ivy Creek today. Listen, listen to what he writes. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always. And every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I longed for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. It's for the people of God. You'll notice that, that Paul begins this letter to the Philippian church in much the same way that he begins a lot of the letters that he writes. In fact, it was a, a style that was common for that time, and that style dictated that you always stated who you were, who it was that was writing the letter, and then you would follow that with a statement of who it was the letter was going to be sent to. And so that's exactly how Paul does it here. He says, Paul and Timothy, they are, they are sending this letter together, and he names the recipients. They are sending it to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Now, there's a lot that can be said, actually, just about this opening couple of verses, but what I want you to alert you to is just the centrality of Christ that is, that is in what Paul writes. Notice that, that, that Paul and Timothy, notice that they don't give themselves any really lofty and highfalutin titles. They don't, they don't talk about them being the right reverend high doctor so-and-so writing this letter. That's not how they begin this letter. They just simply identify themselves this way, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Really, the word bondservant there could actually be translated as slave. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And we're writing this letter. Notice who he writes it to. He writes it to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Now, 
notice it's the saints that he writes to. Now, by saints, Paul does not mean that these are perfect people who've lived perfect lives and, you know, kind of the way that we talk about, oh, he or she is a saint. And when we say that, we do it with reverence many times because of, of how well they... That's not how Paul is using this. Paul is talking about people who are saints in Christ Jesus because they have been brought together through faith. They have been united together in Christ and there is a unity that exists between them and that's who he refers to as saints. And then, and then finally, if we're, looking at, if we're looking at the centrality of Christ, notice how he concludes this opening. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Even here, what we see is there's an emphasis on the gospel that comes through Christ. Brothers and sisters, let me say this to you unequivocally this morning. It is only through grace. It is only through grace that lost sinners can experience peace with God. And that grace can only be experienced through what Jesus Christ has done for you. So what Paul is saying here is he's, he's emphasizing this, this unity that he has with them and, and they have with him this unity that comes in Christ. But I want you to notice something else that's significant about what Paul says here. Beginning there in verse 3 and, and, and moving forward, he makes sure that, and even back before that, he makes sure that every person, every single member of that Philippian church recognized how important that they were to him. In fact, he includes them all. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, understand, Paul was not playing favorites when he wrote this letter. He did not... He did not just simply identify a small group and say, look, this is who I'm writing to. Yes, he does identify the bishops and the, the, the elders, the deacons that are there. But he is making sure that every single man, woman, boy, and girl in that congregation knew that this letter was intended for them. They had a part in what he was going to say. It's, it's interesting to me, four different times in these verses, Paul uses the phrase, you all. And it was intentional. It was important. Matter of fact, I think, I think if Paul were here today, he'd, he'd use the contraction. He'd say, y'all. He'd even have a little southern drawl to it. Y'all. I'm writing to y'all. Y'all are who I want you to know I'm writing to. He uses that term four times. And, and in using that term, he wants every single person to know that they're important. Paul wants this. This was a very cultural, culturally diverse congregation. It was a generationally diverse congregation of believers. And yet what Paul is doing is he is embracing all of them in his opening letter to let them know that they're all important. I think it's important that we be reminded of that, particularly in our church. I think, you know, within our own congregation, we have a, we have a culturally diverse congregation. We have an ethnically diverse congregation. We have we have generational diversity in our congregation that leads to generational perspectives that are very diverse. Here's the beautiful thing about if we truly understand the unity that comes from what Paul is writing here, here's something that's important that we recognize. You see, when we become united by faith in the Lord Jesus, we become supernaturally and inseparably woven together into one body. And that's really the first point that I want you to see this morning. The first point on your outline simply states it this way. 
we may have come as a bunch of individuals, but in Christ, we become a family. We may come from all different backgrounds, perspectives. When God brings us here and he pours out his Holy Spirit into our lives, we become a family. We become one, united together in Jesus. I think we need to recognize that here at Ivy Creek, and I think we need to celebrate it. You see, our church, as I said, is, is, is made up of a diverse bunch of various folks, generations, ethnicities, backgrounds. And there is great diversity. And lots of times that diversity actually causes us to isolate ourselves from one another. It actually causes us to draw little walls around ourselves. And, and do, but inside the walls of this church, what we recognize is, is that Jesus is all in all. And he brings us together. And he breaks down those walls of demarcation. He breaks down those walls of division as he writes about in Ephesians so that there is no longer any separation amongst us. So consequently, he writes, this is to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus. We are a you-all family. We are a y'all family brought together by Jesus Christ. Now, notice that once he has kind of laid that foundation, he then moves on to talk about the real emphasis of what he wants to tell us about, and he starts talking about joy. Everything he writes here just sort of drips with joy. He's so excited about being able to write to this group of people. In fact, notice what he says in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in my prayers making mention of you with joy. Do you know how great it is to know that you're a part of a group, that the person who, who founded you, who who we might even say in our common lingo birthed you, brought a, brought a church together, is still excited about you? Still excited about, you know, every opportunity that I have to be able to talk to, to others with whom I am engaged in, in various places around uh, other pastors and various things, I get really excited talking about this church. I get really excited telling them, this is what God is doing in the life of our, of our people. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting place. You are wonderful people to, to be able to pastor and to, to think. I can, could almost say this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You see, this is the way I see what Paul writes here. Every, every opportunity he had to think about the faces of those folks in that congregation, it brought a smile to his face. And primarily, we see what, how that worked out. Well, he was happy because God was working. He had worked in the past in their lives. He was working presently in their lives, but he even had hope for what God was going to do. You notice what he says there in verse 6. He says, it says I thank my God every remembrance of you, verse 3, for your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Obviously, obviously the source of Paul's joy was thankfulness in his confidence in what God had done. It had been God who had worked the mighty work of salvation in the life of those people. It had been God who had brought them and matured them to the place where they were able to partner with Paul and with other churches in the area of Macedonia to, to affect the, 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 the ministry of the gospel. And, and Paul was confident that it would still be God who was working long after he had been eclipsed from the scene. That brought great joy to him. Here's what I want you to know even further. It was not only the source of his joyful and thankfulness, but the reason that he could do that was because of this partnership that they had with one another. Verse 5, 
He says, I'm, he says, I always thank my God. I pray for you all the time, verse 5, for your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word fellowship that's there is the word koinonia. That word literally means to commune together. It means to, it means to partner in something. Not so much partnering with someone as much as it means to partner in something with someone. It's to, to be fully engaged. In fact, partnership actually is, is the wholehearted, energetic, active, consistent engagement in a project. A lot of times we talk about partnership or we talk about fellowship. We, we talk about that with, with members of a team, perhaps a football team or a baseball team, and they, they use their efforts together in order to accomplish something great. And, and, and in many respects, that's sort of the way that the Apostle Paul is using the word here, except that he's wanting to understand that we're partnering, we're fellowshipping in the gospel. And, and he's not speaking then when he talks about that, what he's not speaking about is just a club that we come and, 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 and sign up for and become a part of. He's, he's not talking about a fellowship that, that just has an occasional interest in Christian things. He's not talking about somebody who just well, i got to go be a part of this because it's this sense of duty and this guilt that will come across us if we don't. That's not what he's describing. He's not talking about something that's just a one-hour-a-week religion. When he talks about fellowshipping in the gospel, what he's talking about is that he, he's talking about a demonstration of a passion that is inside of us that we want to be a part of something even greater than we could ever do on our own because we are doing this together. We are, we are throwing all of our efforts, a full-hearted attempt to encourage one another in Christ to become more and bigger and greater than anything that we could ever do in our individual parts. In fact, notice what he says. But understand this, when that happens, think, it's not always easy, right? Sacrifice comes with that. Difficulties come with that. Verse 7 makes us aware of it. He says, it's just right for me to think of this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers, you all are partners with me of grace. Notice, notice once again, it's everybody, it's you all are with me in this. It's not just, not just one or two of you. It's the whole group. We are in this together. We're partakers of grace together. But as I said, it extends past the point of easy service all the way to the point of sacrifice. Right here's a good place for us to remember what was happening when Paul wrote this letter. When Paul penned this letter, he was chained to a Roman guard sitting in a Roman prison cell awaiting trial for preaching the gospel. That's why he'd been arrested. And he sat there day after day after day, not knowing what was going to happen. Didn't know whether he was going to lose his life. Didn't know if he would be set free. He even talks about that on in the Philippians. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But at that particular moment when he's writing this, he's under duress. He's, he's suffering affliction. And he's writing to a church that was a part of a Roman colony. And so if you think about that, it would have been probably beneficial if that church in Philippi had sort of distanced themselves from Paul. I mean, after all, he's a prisoner of Rome. If he's convicted, things are not going to look too good on us. We, we will be seen as aiding and abetting a criminal. It'd be better if we just kind of keep our distance from Paul and, and continue just working over here. They never did that. They never did that. When the chips were down, 
when times got tough, when hardships of ministry came, these Philippian believers didn't back away from Paul. In fact, they persevered. They stuck with him through thick and thin. And that's what it means, really. That just in and of itself is just a snapshot of what it means to partner in the gospel together. Kent Hughes, he states that Christian fellowship is often misunderstood. He says, while Christian fellowship is often thought of as having a cup of coffee with a Christian friend, Hughes makes the point that true Christian fellowship is more like the experience that one shares when they are locked arm in arm together in labor for the gospel. In fact, he says this. He says, if you're looking for true fellowship, give yourself to the gospel at home and then around the world. He says, serve together with others in men's and women's Bible studies, children's ministries, youth ministries. Do short-term missions. Join mercy work to alleviate suffering. Take, a good, take the good news to the poor. Join a band of brothers and sisters to pray for the world. This is how you will experience true, genuine Christian fellowship. And I would also say to you, when you engage in those activities, this is also where you will experience true, genuine Christian joy. That leads me to the second point that I want to make on your outline this morning, and it's this. Because the gospel of grace links us together as family, we must join arms together in the fellowship of the gospel. We've got to. That's what family does. Now, as I said, that's going to bring challenges. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to necessitate us stepping out of comfort zones. But if you and I are going to experience the true joy that God offers us, being united together with other believers in the gospel, then we must be willing to engage in that sacrifice. True fellowship in the gospel will require contribution of your resources, both of your finances and also of your time. It'll require utilizing talents that you have, that God has equipped you with, so that those talents can be utilized for His glory and His honor. It'll require service. It'll require participation in the ministries of the church. There are many areas, many different levels of, of activities here in which you can be engaged. For example, one of those is that you would benefit and would benefit from your engagement and you would benefit from directly is being part of a Sunday school class. That's a very simple way to become engaged and become part of fellowshipping in the gospel. You see, by engaging in that small group Bible study on a weekly basis, not only, not only would you be able to grow and mature in your walk in Christ, but you'd also be able to to walk alongside and to encourage others who is like you are on that same journey. You would be able to encourage one another to build them up. And in doing so, you'd be joining arms with others in the family of God for the fellowship of the gospel. What Paul writes to us here in, in Philippians 1 really forces us to consider whether or not the fellowship that we enjoy with one another is a partnership in the gospel or, or is it simply something that is just merely social for us? See, we must recognize that the gospel links us together. And it is the gospel that brings us true joy. And it is when we partner together in the fellowship of the gospel that our joy is magnified. Verses 9 through 11 really serve as a, as a prayer. Um, 
Let me just read it for you again. He says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge of all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. And then being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, do that to the glory and the praise of God. Really, when Paul prays this, he, it's almost as if he's giving us an assembly line of what a Christian where things start. It starts with love abounding more and more and more in their lives. And as that love abounds more and more, then, then it begins to correspond to a, with, with holy attitudes that end up working out themselves more and more horizontally and holy actions. And as those holy actions continue to begin to work, then maturity continues to develop. And so as he moves us down that pipeline, God is, is creating us, he's forming us, he's conforming us into the image of his son, but he's producing something within us that is, is powerful. I liken it to be sort of, sort of the embers inside our hearts. The Holy Spirit just begins to blow across. As he does, those, those flames just begin to, to heat up and they move and they spread and they move into other areas and suddenly a passion begins to develop within us and then God miraculously connects us with others in the faith who are passionate about similar things and who help push us along. And suddenly we find ourselves a part of something even bigger than what we were when it was just us. And then as we continue to pray, He makes that love abound more and more and more. And He continues to move us into the concert of others. And suddenly things start happening. And our lives start taking on a different tone. And the things that motivate us and the things that, that we become impassioned about change. And suddenly it's no longer so much self-focused as much as it is gospel-focused. And listen, when Paul gets that, that's why he writes to the very end, every bit of that, the fruit that is produced in your life is all to the glory and the praise of God. It's not so that we do something so that others will sit up and take notice of us and say, wow, what a great Christian that guy is. Or look at Ivy Creek and say, wow, what a great church they are. No, it's when they sit up and take notice of the things that we're doing, they say, what a great God they serve. What a wonderful Savior has impacted their lives and radically transformed them from the inside out so that now they live for nothing more than for the praise and the glory of God. And what Paul has told us, every bit of that, it's what makes our lives drip with joy. You've heard me say this before, quote this from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Westminster Shorter Catechism says that, ask the question, what is the chief end of man? What's the thing that man really needs to get to first and foremost? What's the main goal? It answers the question, says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You see how they're linked? Do you want to experience true, lasting, eternal, fulfilling, satisfying joy? Glorify God in your life. Partnering with the brothers and sisters that God brings your way. Allowing Him to use you. So that brings us back to where we started and then we'll close and you'll all be happy about that. What we've seen is that God brings us together initially as a lot of individuals coming from a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different backgrounds. When He brings us together and He fills us with His Holy Spirit, He makes us family. And as we've seen this morning, 
a very generationally diverse family. We've heard our children sing, our youth sing. I've heard you sing. God breaks his family. And therefore, because we're family and he's linked us together as family, we need to join arms together and partner with one another in the fellowship of the gospel. Because that's what's going to bring us joy. And that leads me to my sermon in a sentence this morning, and with that, we'll close. My sermon in a sentence is simply this. You and I will experience true, radical, freeing joy when God works through us and when we partner with one another for the sake of the gospel. This was Paul's words to this church in Philippi, and I believe it is the Holy Spirit's words to us this morning here at Ivy Creek. Let's pray together today.